Uh, I find that you can learn much by asking questions. In fact, you know, if you know me, you know that I love asking questions. Uh, I love answering questions as well. Um, but every question demands a response, doesn't it? Every question demands a response. And the trick is to ask the right questions so as to get meaningful responses that impact and direct not only your thinking, but also the very path of your life. And today's question is, that we're going to ask is very similar to one which Jesus Christ himself asked of his disciples. He said to them, who do men say that I am? This sermon is one of a series asking the question, is Jesus God? And uh, if you haven't uh, heard the others and would like to, they're on the church's website. And I've looked in this, this is the sixth in the series, and I've looked at what the Old Testament says about God's Messiah. And I've looked at answers from several Bible book authors, Matthew, John and Peter. And I've looked at how Jesus faced that ultimate reality, death. And we saw that Jesus could not only postpone death, uh, but he could reverse death. Uh, you know, he could cure illness and postpone death. He could reverse death. He, he brought Lazarus and Jairus' daughter and others back to life, but that he also defeated death personally himself. And he is the first fruits from the dead and is the striking proof that we shall all ourselves one day rise from the dead when Jesus returns. Jesus defeating death proves that Jesus is God. Now, if you just take a cursory look through the Bible, especially the New Testament, you see there's plenty of evidence to answer the question, is Jesus God? And the Bible answers it most affirmatively. There's no shortage of evidence. And uh, if we look here, uh, I've been through some of these points in previous sermons. There's plenty of evidence, and this is just mainly in the Gospels, but from a few of the letters as well. So there's plenty of evidence uh, in, the, in the Bible that Jesus is God. And today... It's going to be Paul's turn to answer this hugely important question that demands a response. Is Jesus God? So before we look at what Paul says, we're going to ask, who is Paul? And uh, uh, most of us know here that I've been busily over the last several years uh, following the history of Paul in Acts of the Apostles. And Paul uh, was born with the name Saul. Saul of Tarsus, and he was born somewhere between 5 BC and 5 AD. And he was a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, but he was born in modern Turkey. He was a Roman citizen from birth, but came from a strict Jewish household, so that he was circumcised on the eighth day, as he put it himself, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Now, Paul had at least one sister, she was married and she's mentioned in Acts 23.6. And Paul, as he was growing up, was taught the tent-making profession. But this trade, this, learning this trade, did not prevent Saul 
from having a very good education. And he came to Jerusalem to study as a youth under Gamaliel, one of the, the greatest Jewish rabbis in history. And as well as Judaism, he was taught a broad range of Greek classical literature, philosophy, and ethics. Saul spoke at least two languages, Aramaic and Greek, and perhaps several others. Like his father, Saul was a Pharisee and was very zealous for the Jewish God. And it's, uh, and, and it's monotheistic religion. So much so that when a splinter group of Jews started acting as if the crucified rabbi Jesus of Nazareth was divine, Paul could only think that these individuals were blasphemers who should be stopped, who must be stopped by their death if necessary. And Saul quickly progresses from merely holding the coats of those who stoned the first Christian martyr Stephen to one who is leading the violent persecution of the Christian church, first in Jerusalem and then wider afield. About AD 35, a few years after the crucifixion, and by the way, Paul didn't know Jesus uh, uh, before his death and resurrection, about AD 35, on the way to Damascus, Saul is stopped in his tracks when he's blinded by a dazzling light and he hears the voice of the raised from the dead Jesus speaking directly to him. This is a huge turning point in Saul's life. And having received back his sight and being filled with the Holy Spirit by the laying on of Ananias's Hands, Ananias's hands. It's recorded in Acts 9.20 that at once Saul began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here, that's to Damascus, to, make, to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? <clears throat> Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Saul's conversion is a crisis for Saul. He never recovers from it. And he dedicates his life to preaching the good news about Jesus to Jews and Greeks and Gentiles. And he establishes many churches along the way he even changes his name from Saul to Paul the apostle Paul that we know from the New Testament now the New Testament comprises 27 books and Paul certainly wrote 13 of these books Romans to Philemon and he also possibly wrote Hebrews some people think he did some people think he, he didn't uh, but and Paul is the main subject of about two-thirds to three-quarters of the book of Acts of the Apostles written by Luke and is also mentioned by Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3. Now nearly 30 years after his conversion Paul still calls himself the chief of sinners 
And Paul, you know, he often writes contrasting the old man versus the new man. You know, the old man, Saul. The new man, Paul. I'm sure his first reference to the old man is to himself as he was. He was conscious of his violent past as the old man, Saul. A spiritually dead person locked into a religion of works while still being a slave to, to his sins. But then there's the new man, Paul, a humble believer saved by grace, the mercy of a good God pardoning the guilty and so transforming their lives. Thankful and humbled, Paul shows the sign, all the signs of a true conversion do you? So, there's no shortage of bi biblical evidence. And we've seen who Paul was. He was a thinker. He was a Pharisee. He was a violent persecutor of the church. And finally, he was an apostle. Now, we're going to look at six statements of Paul that Jesus is God. Paul has written about half of the New Testament. 13 or 14 out of its 27 books. His writings are messages to churches or to individuals about how they should live the Christian life, how they should in practice behave as followers of Jesus. Indeed, Paul's letters are the earliest Christians, Christian writings we possess. And in Galatians, which is possibly the very earliest letter Paul uh, wrote, Paul states that he did not receive his gospel from any man, but by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. That's in Galatians 1.12. Paul is stating in the earliest Christian document that Jesus is God. Because he didn't just receive this from any man. He's received his revelation directly from the raised from the dead Jesus Christ who is God. Now, Reading Paul's letters, Paul never makes a long argument in his letters that Jesus is God because he doesn't need to. All the Christian churches, especially those founded by Paul, know and believe this as a core doctrine. However, we can get many unequivocal statements about Jesus' divinity by comparing what Paul says about God and what Paul says about Jesus. And from this, we shall learn some very interesting truths. For instance, Paul states that God is the creator, the creator of everything, creator of the universe. So Paul, when in the Areopagus in Athens, chapter 17, says, God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. So God made the world, Acts 17. And Paul says in Colossians 1:15 and 16, the, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So Paul says that God made the world, and Paul says 
that Jesus made everything. So Jesus is God. You know, one definition of God surely is the creator. The creator of this universe is the greatest person in the whole uh, of creation. And Paul explicitly states that Jesus is the creator. In Romans 1, 24, Paul says that the creator should be worshipped. And as a good monotheistic Jew, Paul knows that we should only worship God. Since Paul says Jesus is the creator, and Paul says that the creator should be worshipped, this means that Jesus should be worshipped, i.e. Jesus is God. Now, Paul is very familiar with the Old Testament. He quotes it extensively in his letters, appealing to its truth and absolute reliability. In Romans 14, Paul quotes from Isaiah 45, which we read earlier. Isaiah 45, 18. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who, established, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. When Paul describes Jesus as creator, he is saying that Jesus is the one true God of the Old Testament. He is saying that Jesus is the Lord speaking in Isaiah. He is saying that Jesus is Yahweh or Jehovah. He is the Lord of hosts. Now, this is a devastating truth and has consequences not just for Paul 2,000 years ago, but for us too today. Because we are creatures. We have been made, and we have been made, us and this whole world, this whole vast universe, by the creator God, Jesus. He rightly owns us. As a result of that, we are his creatures, yet we have done such terrible, disobedient things, each of us personally, in his universe. What chance is there for us before an all-knowing, all-powerful creator God? As an aside, as Paul is also saying that since Jesus is the creator, he is pre-existent. In other words, that Jesus existed before anything had been created and then Jesus created it. Only God is the creator of all things and only God is pre-existent, existing from eternity past. This is Jesus Christ our God, and we are disobedient creatures living in his, on borrowed time, in his universe. Now we sang, every knee shall bow before uh, Jesus, and we read, every knee shall bow before God. Paul states in Romans 14, 
verses 11 to 12, and he's quoting Isaiah 45, which we read, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. And he goes on to say, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Paul then says in Philippians 2, which we also read, verses uh, 10 to 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Paul is saying, every tongue shall bow before the Lord and confess to God. And he's also saying that uh, everyone shall bow the knee to Jesus and every tongue confess to Jesus. Paul in Philippians and Romans is quoting Isaiah 45. And that says, there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a saviour. There is no one beside me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. This passage in Isaiah, which is quoted by Paul, is clearly proclaiming there is only one God. And to that one God, every knee shall bow and confess. Paul states in Philippians that it is to Jesus Christ that every knee shall bow and tongue confess. Paul is clearly saying that Jesus is God. Indeed, he is the God that the whole of the Old Testament proclaims. And rightly, every one of us shall acknowledge the fact that Jesus is God by bowing before him on that great day of his return to this world. So Jesus is God. And we shall acknowledge that fact and we shall bow before him on the day, that great day, when he returns to this world. But there's a problem, isn't it? Because of the judgment seat of God. And the judgment seat of God, Paul says, is the judgment seat of Jesus. Now, I'm using quite a few quotations from Romans today. Uh, have you read the book of Romans? I hope so. I would encourage you to do so. Just pick it up, and if nothing more, start reading it. It's not only the best thing that Paul wrote, it's also the book that changed this world, isn't it? Because it ushered in the Reformation, which gave birth to the Renaissance, which led to our modern scientific technological world, which has benefited every single one of us every day of our life right up until today. Whether you like it or not, 
Paul's letter to the Romans has radically and drastically changed our world. And in it, Paul proclaims Jesus as God. Read it. Believe it. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in Romans 14, verses 10 to 12, Paul says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. The judgment seat of Christ, verse 10, is where we have to give an account of ourselves to God. And Paul is using the words Jesus and Lord interchangeably for the word God. Since Jesus is the Lord God. Genesis 18, 25, we have Abraham speaking to the Lord God. And he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. The Bible teaches that God will judge mankind and the Bible teaches that Jesus shall judge mankind. Jesus is God. He is judge of mankind and at his knee every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord God. Now doesn't this fill you with dread? Eh? Doesn't this fill you with absolute dread that we will stand before Jesus Christ? I remember as a young lad at school, uh, I wasn't often hauled before the headmaster. In fact, you didn't have to fear the headmaster. It was the deputy headmaster you had to fear because he was the one who had a, a tube, a rubber tube, which was called the swish. And in those days, there was no problem with a school deputy headmaster uh, hitting you very hard as an act of corporal punishment if you'd done wrong. And to appear before the, to be sent to appear before the deputy headmaster filled even the biggest and toughest of uh, the children with fear and dread and you could see their tears as they, in their eyes as they stood outside the deputy headmaster's office before their meeting with him. But doesn't it fill, fill you with dread that we shall stand before Jesus Christ and be judged for every careless thought, word and deed? A human judge doesn't really know what we've done and we can often fool them as we see on the, uh, in the reports of uh, court cases on the TV and the papers. But that day, Jesus Christ will hold us to account for every thought, word and deed. How shall we face that judgment? Repentance and turning to Jesus now is our only hope. The judgment seat of God Paul declares, is the judgment seat of Jesus. Jesus is God. And Paul calls God our saviour at least seven times in various 
letters. For instance, in 1 Timothy 2, 3, Paul says, This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And he mentions it in 1 Timothy 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 10. And uh, we've recently studied the book of Titus. And God our Saviour is mentioned in Titus 1, verse 3, 2, verse 10, 2, verse 13, and 3, verse 4. And I'm sure many other places in the New Testament. But So Paul calls God our Saviour time and time again. And Paul also calls Jesus our Saviour. He says, for instance, in Philippians 3.20, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he also calls Jesus the saviour in Ephesians 5.23, 2 Timothy 1.10, Titus 1.4, Titus 2.13, Titus 3.6 and Acts 13.23. Paul interchangeably calls God our saviour and Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Because Paul is preaching that Jesus is God. Now, our passage in Isaiah 45, 21 says, And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Saviour. There is none but me. Look unto me, all the ends of the earth and be saved. The Old Testament passage declares that God is the Saviour and there is just one Saviour. So Jesus is God and he is the God the Old Testament reveals to mankind. And Isaiah declares few, no fewer than 11 times that God is the Saviour of his people. And we, you and I, we absolutely need a Saviour. Don't we? We absolutely need a saviour because we're ruined and lost and otherwise without hope. The trouble with this world is the evil that we all do. It comes from insiders. And we need someone to save us from the consequences of our heart, from the consequences of our sins and someone who can change our behaviour. Only God can do this. And Jesus is that God who saves to the uttermost all who come to him. Isaiah, you know, who Paul quotes often, declares 13 times that the Lord God is the Redeemer. And Paul in Galatians 3.14 and Galatians 4.5 declares that Christ redeemed us. So re redemption literally binds us back. So Jesus buys us back with his own blood through his death on that cross. God is our redeemer. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is God. And Jesus is our great God and saviour as well as our redeemer. In fact, Paul explicitly writes this in Titus 2.13, where he says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us 
from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. So he says, looking for our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. That's singular. He's not talking about a great God and somebody else who is the Savior Jesus Christ. He's talking about one individual who gave himself and redeemed us. It's clear that Paul is declaring that Jesus is God our Savior and our Redeemer. Now I'm going to quickly finish off with a verse that, with two verses. Acts 20, 28, uh, which I preached upon uh, a few months ago. Paul says uh, to the Ephesian el church elders, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He, God, bought the church with his own blood. Who was the one that shed his blood for us? It was Jesus of Nazareth. And Paul is clearly and unequivocally declaring Jesus, the carpenter's son, to be the Lord God. And finally, another verse out of Romans, Romans 9, 5, where Paul says, Of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Jesus came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. And that's a clear and simple statement that Jesus is God. Who can argue with that? So, is Jesus God? Paul says yes. J.I. Packer, the author, has said that Christianity only makes sense if Jesus is fully God. And I'm sure the Apostle Paul would agree with that truth. Paul's writings are full of statements that declare that the man Jesus is the Lord God. And the truth that Jesus is God must change you. It changed Paul drastically and permanently. The truth that Jesus is God must change you. It's a truth that cannot be ignored. The fact that Jesus is God means that all he said is true. And all he promised will certainly happen. Now Jesus talked about his return to this world in power and glory. He talked about the resurrection of all the dead. He talked about the judgment. Jesus talked about the judgment of mankind. That's you and me both. And Jesus told us that as sinners, we cannot please a holy God but in fact that our sin will condemn us to eternal punishment. That is, unless in this life, today we turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus as our saviour God. So, I love asking questions, so here's a question. Have you put your trust in Jesus? Paul met Jesus. And Paul put his trust in him. Have you met Jesus? Or are you still the old man Saul? Or are you the new man Paul? Are you the old man Saul, bitter, driven by passions, with a fallen intellect and the frustration of being locked in sins 
while striving to somehow come up to the standards of the holy God who shall surely judge us? Or are you the new man Paul, humble, thankful, reborn by grace, remade in the image of Jesus, who is truly God, committing yourself to serve your God, Jesus, all the days of your life. Jesus, the perfect man who died in the sinner's place, that we should have forgiveness of our sins through faith in him. And Jesus, who was raised from the dead, proof that he is God. Is Jesus God? Paul says, yes. What do you say? And what do you do about it? Amen.